Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Welcome, 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 Bonnie in the house. This is the last show of the year for this series. They've been with us for so many years. This is changing the game with digital selling. We used to call it social selling, and then we realized it was really digital selling. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And as I always say, if you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. Why? Because it's true, because this is where the best run. So welcome to our loyal listeners all over the world. Got a very interesting, very interesting topic for you to end this year. By the way, this series has renewed for 2021, so it's not goodbye. It's just we're wrapping up for 2020. So here we go. I have a buzz quote from a blog at Marketo, or Marketo as you might pronounce it, .com. Listen up, some interesting words of wisdom. When marketers use AI with marketing automation, they create a superpower. It's so important they made it one word, superpower. Marketing is often deluged by the growing volume and velocity of data. We all know that. AI can work with marketing automation to empower marketing's ability to translate data into decisions, into meaningful interactions. My guests are nodding already. I'm here on Zoom with them (laughs) and positively impact business outcomes. That's the quote. So let's do a little reality check here. Marketers are always on the lookout for the next big thing when it comes to the future of the marketing industry. You got to stay fresh. You got to stay bold. You got to stay innovative. You got to stay creative. You can't bore people. You can't spam people. You got to figure it out. It's a moving target all the time. Many in marketing have been looking at the buzzwords automation and AI for a long time, and they have the potential to change how how the industry works. Essentially, it has to do with the effectiveness of the critical components of marketing. You need to target clients, not poke them, not spam them, not annoy them. Your sales team needs to know on whom to concentrate their efforts. You need to figure out how they spend their time. I remember early in the days of digital selling, people said, how much time do I have to spend setting up my profile on LinkedIn? And how many hours a day, right? One of my guesses, how many hours a day does my team, oh, more than 10 minutes? Oh, but they're so busy looking at their role decks and their repetitive assignments over and over and over again. How will the future marketer work with AI? And AI, if you're new to this, come on, it's artificial intelligence. We talk about it all the time. Will it be a battle between the humans and the machines? Oh my goodness, let's buy tickets to that battle. I have three experts on the show today. I'm so happy to have them here. Alan McLaren is with us from InfinityCom. That's all one word with two M's. Raj Kapoor at Ampersand Marketing. It's and marketing. I like the way that writes. We'll find out about his company. And Sylvie Lashkar at SAP. Sylvie's a veteran of the show. We're going to ask for their insights on rise of the machines, how AI is disrupting marketing, and I'll say for good. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here in the house. It is December. What? I can't even keep track. We're almost at the end of 2020, and I know everybody is going to breathe a sigh of relief and a sigh of, oh, we hope 2021 is better. (laughs) So enough about me. Let's move on. Alan McLaren, welcome so much to the show. Alan, we're going to give you, put you on speaker view here on Zoom, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our global audience, tell them a little bit about what you do. What is InfinityCom with two M's? And what's your passion for the topic? Are humans going to win the battle with the machines? Alan McLaren, 
Go ahead. Welcome. Thanks, Bonnie. And nice to be with Raj and Sylvie. Um, what's interesting, let me just start with the passion. I, I think the passion is really simple. If we don't embrace AI, it's going to take us out of business. So it's pretty simple concept. I think as marketers, we all have to understand that technology is going to drive our future and, and how do we interact with the technology and, and get the best of it. And at Infinitycom, we're, um, we're a traditional marketing agency in the sense that, uh, you know, we look at strategy, uh, we look at content, we look at storytelling mediums, messaging, all the things that you have to do. Uh, but what we recognize as well is that creativity is what drives the differences between uh, success in, in the world. Everybody can, can, can use HubSpot, everybody can use email marketing, everybody can do that, but it's about creativity. And that's what we, myself and my business partner, Leanne, uh, built over the last 16 years. Um, and the one thing we started to focus on in addition to campaigns and traditional marketing services is thought leadership. Uh, we've started to customize work for CEOs so that they're able to understand how to become a thought leader and what's required in terms of timing uh, to be able to execute on that. And we're very excited about that going into 2020 because that'll be a big part of, uh, of our business and, and hopefully helping uh, leaders uh, grow in their businesses as well. So that's a little bit about InfinityCom. Thank you very much, Al. How did you get to the point of having this company? Where did you where'd you come from? Just a little bit of far back. Go yeah, get me that's, back. that's my business partner's fault. We were in um, a couple of businesses <laughs> together as, as, uh, as partners, and uh, we exited one business, and she turned to me one morning and said, what are we going to do now? And I said, what do you mean we? I'm going to go to a job <laughs> as a CEO somewhere, and we'll be friends for life. And she says, why don't we start an agency? And I said, well, we don't have any ideas. We don't have any customers. What are we going to do? And she says, well, wouldn't it be fun to just build something from the ground up? And that's exactly what happened. We had it on a napkin over coffee. And then I came home, told my wife, I said, Henry, what do you think about this idea of nothing? It's kind of a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> uh, and 16 years later, uh, here we are, and we're having a blast. And uh, it's been quite the journey. See the backstory, Sylvia smiling and, and Raj nodding. The backstories are sometimes the most interesting ones that don't go into the bio, right, Alan? <laughs> the great. one where it was written on a napkin. I, I am distantly related by previous marriage to somebody who built one of the monuments in the United States who designed wow. it on a napkin. I'll tell you all off air later. Designed it on a napkin and ended up building it and was a partner in the construction and it's world famous. It was an idea. Right. And I love the Seinfeld moment. You mentioned Halloween. You said, we, we have nothing. Let's start an agency. Sure. Why not? You, they don't teach that to entrepreneurs. You got nothing. Well, write it down. Write something. Free association. So let's move on. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate that sharing. Thank you for sharing an authentic moment here on radio. Appreciate that. Raj Kapoor, you're up next. Raj, lovely to meet you. Uh, we had a prep call recently, and I would very much appreciate your introducing yourself to our audience. Go ahead, Raj. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for for having me and uh, great to be here with the with the other guests. So again, my name is Raj Kapoor. I, uh, I'm the founder and managing director of a company called Ann Marketing. Um, we help growing businesses, mostly SMBs and mid-market companies uh, as an outsourced marketing solution. So we provide a mix of strategy, uh, data-driven uh, analysis and execution. So we act as the outsourced marketing department for uh, growing businesses. We do a lot of work in tech and SaaS. And so my particular spin on AI and marketing is from two sides. Uh, one is we, we do business with companies that 
create AI and try to sell that into the marketplace. So we understand some of the challenges that are associated with commercializing AI. And then on the other side, I'm a marketer. So just as Alan said, there's a myriad of tools that are being used. It's, a, it's obviously such a big hot trend. So we are users of those tools as marketers to try to promote, uh, to try to, to, try to uh, advance our businesses. And, uh, you know, my perspective is extremely optimistic about AI, but I think there are some caveats and some challenges to it. So I'm looking forward to talking through some of those. Thank you, Raj. How did the business get the name and marketing? Where does that come from? And what? Something <laughs> and marketing? Sure. And you left the first word off in ampersand. I, so what's the official name? And, and So it's and marketing, get- correct. It's and marketing. So the yeah. ampersand and marketing and the, the, the notion behind the business. So there's two stories. The notion behind the business is that, you know, many people that do what we do have these very lofty, braggy names that say that they're going to take everything over. And uh, <laughs> because I have so much more time on the other side of the desk uh, working for larger companies. Um, I never I never fell for the fact that companies really knew our businesses better than we did. So I really wanted to connote partnership. So and marketing came from partnership. And the actual story is that I live in uh, the Philadelphia area. And in Center City, Philadelphia, there's a pizza place called and pizza. And it happens to be right across the street from one of my kids' favorite restaurants. And when I was starting the business, my wife and I were walking around with the kids. They're like literally in strollers. And she literally looked at it and she's, she's also a marketer. And she said, well, that's the name. And I said, what's the name? And Pizza? And she said, no, and marketing. That's what you guys do. And I said, I said, hon, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's never going to work. Oh boy. And so we were going through a naming session. It ended up sticking. And that was, you know, three and a half years ago. And now it's too late to change the name. So we're sticking with it. And here we are. So I love it. <laughs> so you go with the ampersand, right? Yeah, yeah. well, we love the ampersand. The ampersand t- turns out to be a pretty, uh, you know, like a little, a good symbol or a good logo. Oh, yeah. And people ask questions about it. And, you know, we just, it's just stuck and we're, we're grateful for where we are. And it's awesome. It also soars high because it's a special character. I was a- Sometimes. Sometimes. I was a mainframe <laughs> programmer back in the day, and I remember Sword Order, and you have your alpha, new, new, numeric, you have your special characters. If I want some of my folders here on my Mac to go up to the top, I'll put a couple of underscores or dashes or a couple of asterisks, or I'll just leave spaces because it's sort of tire. My, my yeah. other name, which you, you don't know any of you, even Sylvia doesn't know this, is AKA Radio Red. That's what I use on my non-business radio shows. And the reason is the letter A sorts higher than any other sort, meaning if you're looking for something, A comes to my first letter of the alphabet. So it's AKA Radio Red, all one word. And people said to me, why? I said, because if I add the AKA, which is true, also known as, when people are looking for something, it goes almost right to the top of the heap in the alphabet and it's stuck and I kept it. So I I thought of you with the ampersand (laughs) marketing. Very, very clever. I like that. Thank you, Raj. Pleasure to meet you. Sylvie. Sylvie. Sylvie's been on the show with me for years and years and years. And Sylvie was on our prediction special two weeks ago. Do you remember, Sylvie? 14 people predicted what's going to change, if anything, or how much or where or why with digital selling in 2021. And Sylvie, I I was so appreciative of your posting on LinkedIn. Talk about promoting. My goodness, you were the queen of promotions after the show. So thank you very much. Sylvie, I'm going to say it in case there's... 1.2 people somewhere in a remote corner of the globe who don't remember you, shame on them, but you're going to tell them, remind them who you are. Go ahead, Sylvie. Yeah. Hi, Bonnie. So I'm the only one not really in marketing in this place, but uh, so I'm part of, a, of, a, of SAP and on, in an industry group when I'm representing uh, uh, social selling. So how to use social media for a good usage, for a business usage. 
and I'm coaching leaders, I'm coaching the, the teams, I'm training the teams uh, so that I'm sure that they're using it properly. And I'm also responsible of thought leadership, so how they could uh, share thought leadership for what uh, to change the, the branding of SAP, which is uh, quite uh, old sometimes. And yes, we're doing uh, AI, yes, we're doing IoT, yes, we're doing analysis and lots of things that nobody uh, thinks about. Uh, they just think about us as an ERP, which is not really what we're doing uh, as uh, innovators, actually. So we want to change the game, change the brand, and uh, use social media for that. And welcome to Paris. Uh, with me as a French representative. <laughs> Thank you, Sylvie. Sylvie, how did you get to the point where you're doing what you do at SAP? A little, just a little oh tiny God. bit of your background. Go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, it's, you see my white hair here. It's because I'm quite old. So I'm an engineer, uh, an engineer at the basic. Uh, then I went into marketing and then in business development and alliance management and into enablement. And when I was at enablement, SAP uh, launched the social training, the social selling program. And I've been asked to run that program for EMEA. Uh, so I went to New York uh, in a LinkedIn headquarters to be trained, and uh, and it, it is a, a digital extension of myself because I'm a social person anyway in life. Uh, so I'm a bionic woman now with social media, and I try to transfer that passion to everybody. So it was seven years ago. So that's a big adventure. And I was, so I was in enablement and now I've been asked grace to that. I wrote a book about the topic. So uh, mastering social selling like a boss and grace to that book. I was hired in uh, almost the team where I am now uh, doing this 100% of my time. Thank you, Sylvie. Appreciate the background. Your hair is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I, I hope you post the video so people can see it. Yes, I'm, I'm sticking with the red. That's just the I way know. it is. <laughs> you, you get it. Yes. I, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. We're going to go to the quotes. I've, if you're new to the show, well, shame on you for not listening all these years. But I asked my guests in advance to send me a quote from a movie or a song, something that will interest our audience. And the quote has... On the surface, absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And then I asked them to creatively, poetically, philosophically, prosaically, <laughs> imaginatively, whatever they want, to tell us in their own words what the quote has to do with the topic. So Alan McLaren is up first. Alan sent us a wonderful quote from Dorothy Gale, played by the one and only long gone but never forgotten Judy Garland in the movie The Wizard of Oz, 1939 American musical fantasy film produced by Metro Gold. When Mayer, one of the greatest films of all time, it was the commercially successful adaptation of L. Frank Baum's 1900 children's fantasy novel. And just a little bit, I'll tell you, it didn't make much of a profit until it was re-released 10 years later in 1949. It earned $3 million on a $2.7 million budget. It was MGM's most expensive movie production at that time, hmm. 1949. Do the math. So here is the quote. It's famous. It's infamous. It's wonderful. And I can't wait to hear what Alan has to say. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. And that's a terrible Judy Garland impersonation. Alan, go ahead. Talk to me. Why did you pick this quote? And I'd love to hear what it has to do with our topic. 
Well, I'm not going to be singing. I can assure you of that because that would turn a lot of people away from the channel. So let's just start with a quote. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's interesting about AI. Uh, the word kind of gets people into a fantasy thinking about robots and thinking about the world changing. And so when I thought about the quote, I thought, you know, well, this fantasy land, which turned out to be a dream, but the, the reality of that dream was that you start thinking about the world and saying, is AI really a fantasy? The answer is it's not. Is it magic? It's really not. It's magical in some ways, but it's not magic. It's just, you know, we're, we're giving the computers the ability to, to do things with data that they maybe couldn't do before to allow humans to make better decisions at the end of the day. So it's a progression of technology. And when you think of Moore's Law, you look at all the technology that has evolved over time. This is just kind of the next iteration of that. I think the the opportunities are fantasy-like when you start to think about where it can actually go. I'm not sure anybody can really predict where it will go, but we know enough people are working on it that two or three years from now, the things that we're going to sing are going to be probably wrong because there'll be some incredible developments. But um, I, I don't think it's, we just got to understand it so that we don't put it in a place where it's unreachable for the average human. Thank you, Alan. Very interesting. Would you say in two or three years when we're wrong, we're happy to be wrong because of the evolution of, of technology, of techniques, of tools? What do you think? I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember when we had no internet. And so... Oh, it, no. no yeah. And, you know, we <laughs> oh, talked no. about Sylvie with LinkedIn. I mean, you know, I had cards, you know, this is when you call someone three months later, you put in. So I remember those days. And so, yeah. you know, I am aging myself and you, Sylvia, I got a little more gray than you. Um, <laughs> but, but when you think about it, that evolution is, you know, now it's just normal. It's just normal yeah. for me. And it's normal for the people that, you know, my kids and the people that I work with. So I expect that that will just continue. Nothing surprises me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty. I expect that we can do amazing things. So I expected in three years. That's why when someone calls himself an expert, I see you're an expert now. Ah, someone oh, in their I basement like is creating something today that we don't even know about. So I will never say, absolutely, this is the only thing that'll happen because you'll look foolish very quickly in this space. Wow, interesting. And I have to tell you, Alan, not to talk about age, but I remember in the early 90s when I got my, I joined the internet and I had an AOL account <laughs> and I couldn't get over that handshake. I don't know if you remember. Doo -doo 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 -doo. And I used to invite my neighbors in. I was in a in an upscale co-op apartment building on Long Island and my neighbors were all captains of industry and I was the youngest one and youngest owner in the building. And I said, hey guys, you want to hear this? A couple of my friends, I used to take the train to Manhattan with them. I invited them in and I clicked on join AOL or connect and they stood there and they said, what is that noise? What's happening? And I said, I'm on the internet. And they said, what's the internet? And what is this thing on your desk? What are you using? And it, what is that thing? Is it a mouse? And they used to come in just to watch me connect to AOL. It was such a novelty. It really was. So I, I remember very, very well. COBOL, PL1, Xerox, Sigma 6, CP5, IBM 4341, and keep punching. I got a couple on you, Alan, I think. Okay, let's move on before <laughs> I get myself in more trouble. Raj Kapoor has sent us a quote from another very, very famous film, The Shawshank Redemption, 1994 American drama. Andy Dufresne, played by the very memorable Tim Robbins, was speaking to Red, played by equally memorable Morgan Freeman. It's a drama written by uh, Frank Darabont based on the 1982 Stephen King novella, 
called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Interesting. And here was the quote, and I thought they were writing it to me, Raj, because it says <laughs> red in it, and I, I was just shocked. That so, was for you, Bonnie. That one's thank for you. you. <laughs> thank you, dear. So the quote is, remember red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Oh my, that's so heavy. Raj, talk to me. What does that have to do with our topic? Well, so Shawshank Redemption also has the benefit of being my favorite movie. So as I was thinking about a quote that I could tie back, you know, I I really like the movie. It talks a lot about hope. It talks, you know, I'm not going to spoil the movie for people, but really that movie has such lasting power because it talks about the enduring benefit of hope. And, and, and uh, so, so as I was thinking about it, um, the reason I picked this quote is you could you could actually replace the word hope with AI in some ways, maybe maybe half joking, right? So remember, Red, AI is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. So irrespective of what people think about AI, it's around. It's going to be around. It's going to be around even more. There's a lot of things that the industries, including the marketing industry, data, privacy, all these things have to figure out on the journey but it is headed in one direction. And that's more adoption, that's better technology, that's more usage in more places. Um, so that's why I chose the quote and I thought it was a good connect back to the, uh, the discussion around AI and marketing. I think it is. And I like the way you substituted AI into the <laughs> quote. I don't think I've ever heard anybody do that kind of a substitution on the fly. Thank you, Raj. Very clever. And thanks for the nod to red. I appreciate that. <laughs> I've got a red flower on today. There you go. Sylvie sent us a quote from the group, the rock band, Linkin Park. I have to confess, I if I've heard them, Sylvie, I wouldn't remember them. It's not on my top 10 list. I'm, I'm a girl from the, the rock and roll era from the 60s, 70s. Those are my favorite. The disco era was a disco dance teacher don't say a word to anybody and lincoln park american rock band from agora hills california and they were categorized as alternative rock their early music spanned a fusion of heavy metal and hip-hop that's an interesting fusion while they later transitioned into electronica and pop influenced music and this song is from this song is from the lyric i'm going to read in a minute roads untraveled it's the eighth song off of lincoln park's fifth studio album living things never released as a single. I'm going to just stop there. By the way, they're among the best-selling bands of the 21st century and the world's best-selling music artists, over 100 million records worldwide. They're still using the word records on the Wikipedia listing. (laughs) Does anybody know what that? I still have 45s and and LPs, wax, vinyl. Yes. Okay, here's the line Sylvia selected. May your love never end. And if you need a friend, there's a seat here alongside me. Oh, I got chill, Sylvie. Rescue me. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Well, um, first of all, I chose that because the, my son was listening to that over and over and over. So, uh, so I think we need to go into people's life, right, and, and, and get ourselves into their words. So this is what makes me choose that one. So it's because I think the more digital we go, uh, so if if the machine replaces a lot of tasks that humans are doing, uh, we need to be more and more and more human uh, on the other side, just to make a balance and to be sure that humans are making the proper AI, so are coding properly. And we need to remember that we live all together uh, and uh, we need to welcome everyone. And this is something that maybe that period of time, actually, that is quite difficult. We need to remember that we need to support each other. And, um, and where, 
even with machine and with AI, we can be humans and we can put humanity into uh, all the relationship that we have. Thank this you. Is the reason I chose that. I like that. There has been fear and fear mongering over the years, among other things, about AI. It's going to have robots and it's going to replace our jobs. Hmm. And we're going to be right, Raj. It's going to be out of work. And then they're going to be doing, they say lawyers won't have jobs anymore. Doctors, not as much. Diagnostics are better with with. IOT and AI and machine learning, and that's wonderful. Um, but but building building people into this future, very, very important. I like that. You can have a place in the future if you upskill, if you relearn, and if you look forward, right? There are ways to keep relevant and keep useful. Let's move on. Thank you all for the great quotes. I really appreciate it. So, Alan McLaren, you're up first. You started as my first, first panelist when we did the bios and the quotes, and you're up first again on the discussion round. So, this is the formal roundtable part of the show. Each of my panelists has sent me four discussion statements. I'm going to pick one from each of you. I'm going to start with one from Alan. happens to be statement number one. I'll read it. It's very brief and to the point. I think this will be very much piquing the interest of our audience continuing to pique their interest. I'm going to ask Alan to take a couple minutes and expand it or unpack it, as they say on the news. Then I'm going to challenge Raj a little bit and say, Raj, agree or disagree. And he's going to add his thought leadership. That term keeps coming up on the show Hmm. today. And then I'll give Sylvie double whammy opportunity to agree or disagree with not only Alan, but with Raj. Then I'll pick a statement from Raj. We'll go around and one from Sylvie. Let's see where we go in our conversation. Alan McLaren told me the following. He says, AI has been around for a while. Companies like Amazon, Netflix, DoorDash, big on IPO this week, I think, or or big on stock. DoorDash, Google, and all social networks have been using machine learning for years. And Alan, if you could clarify the relationship, people often wonder, machine learning, AI, are they cousins? Are they brothers? Are they grandma and grandpa? (laughs) Grandchildren? I don't know. What do they have to do? I'm going to ask you to level set a little bit for us, Alan, and tell us what this means. And Raj, you're going to get ready to agree or disagree. Alan, you're up. Raj works for them every day, but AI is kind of the umbrella term for everything that's going to be really how computers do stuff. I mean, if you think about just to to get to that, computers by their very nature are dumb and we tell it what to do. We give it through through, uh, iOS, through all kinds of things that we do, software, we tell computers what to do. So what's happening today, if you start thinking about something as simple as a recommendation engine, which is what Netflix does, you think it's really, really simple, but Netflix does a brilliant job of it. So does Amazon, by the way. And some are trying to do it. And you can see when you compare the two and say, well, why is Netflix so good and Amazon so good? Yet this other uh, company is not doing such a good job. And it changes your experience. Mm-hmm. All of this at the end of the day is about a customer experience, about understanding how we deliver better information either to customers or we we, we may have more relevance for customers because at the end of the day, your experience on Amazon is positive. You can buy with one click. You don't have to go through all crazy stuff. That's all in the background. Machine learning, AI, however you want to categorize it to get to that place. So really at the end of the day, what, what we're doing is building models, uncovering connections and allowing the computers to do the work that really humans had to interpret before. So if you think about it, we're, we're moving along that chain so that it's going into more places. Something as simple as a Facebook ad. Let's use that today. Facebook ad today, what you do obviously is you go in and you add images, you add hashtags, you add messaging, and then you pray and hope and predict that it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, that's why you A-B test and you do all kinds of other things. Well, when a computer knows that it works, they'll say, just kind of do that again. 
and pick that audience, but don't pick that audience. This image works, but don't do there. You're in healthcare. Don't use this word. Don't do that. So it's allowing us to get better information now so we can make better decisions. Remember, the humans are still in control of the decision. The computer is now saying, do this based on the data I have that you could never interpret in, a, in, a, in an effective way. So that's kind of why I'm excited about the AI because it's going to make us be able to do more things better and ultimately sell more things for, for our clients, which is why we're there. Thank you very much. Great level setting. Appreciate that. It's often a wonder which came first, which is the mummy or the grandma, the ML or the AI. And I, I, it's always nice to hear that. Appreciate that. And thank you for name dropping the companies that people recognize right off the bat. Raj, agree or disagree? Add some thought leadership. You're up. Yeah, I would say mostly mostly agreed. So I think Alan's exactly spot on that these uh, the the machine learning component again. I use the term synonymously, so I think there's probably some definitional difference. But the ability for the machine that is programmed to make these decisions better, faster, and more accurately than humans is fundamentally a good thing, and that's part of the irreversible trend that we talked about, right? So independent of that happening from humans, these machines do this so much with so much data over and over, and he named some of the big hits. You know, the part that I might uh, disagree with is, you know, I think sometimes it does take the human element out of it, right? And so, you know, I'm not talking about some end game like Terminator or something like that with the machines taking over, but, you know, there are some instances where the human is, where the machines are quote unquote smarter, and if the company or, or whoever is controlling it doesn't step in and add the human element or had some real human checkpoints, that could be bad, right? There's probably some examples out there uh, about, you know, there's a famous example of uh, Target using its AI algorithms uh, to based on purchasing patterns on what coupons to send. And apparently some, you know, some uh, uh, senior level uh, male executive received a coupon for birth control without knowing that his daughter was actually pregnant. I think that's a famous story that's going around the ether, right? So yes. without a human element to intervene and say, wait, is that really the best choice we should make? So he said, why did I get this? I shouldn't have gotten this. And it turned out his daughter was actually pregnant. So, um, you know, there is some negatives to that. I think Alan would be mostly right though on, on kind of the level setting piece. Shock and amazement, right? You get a discount on Pampers. Right. That doesn't who, sound right. <laughs> who, who? Why? Okay. Yeah. Let's not go. That, that is a very famous example. Thank you. Sylvie, you're up. Agree, disagree with either or both. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. I. Uh, well, I agree. I mean, uh, AI... Uh, I mean, as a consumer myself, I'm so happy to get advertisement finally that are close to what I look, what I like. I'm not bothered by all the rest. And uh, now my children are grown up and I don't need baby stuff uh, for me. So I don't, I don't want to get those ads and all those information or that content to be pushed to me. So I think it, it helps a lot uh, to have more targeted um, information to the to the proper audience, and it helps also to know uh, people at the individual level. That changed marketing completely. I mean, marketing was using panel in the past and the uh, personas, and uh, and we analyzed a group of people. And now, uh, grace to AI, we we can target individuals to their specific needs. So this is what I think is fantastic. And then uh, I would say what is scary is uh, uh, everything that you hear about how those information are gathered 
for example, when you say you speak on the phone, you have a personal information and then uh, you get an advertisement on what you talked on the phone, which is quite a little bit scary. And I think we need regulations on this uh, just to temper a little bit what's going on. E even if I love it, I think we need to keep privacy. And then the, the thing I would say is careful about bias. Um, I don't know if I say that word properly. I, I, I mean, uh, AI is coding and coding is done by humans. Mm -hmm. So if you use, for example, just uh, white um, male people coding for, for Sometimes they just forget that women, black women existing, and uh, they're going to uh, forget to teach the machine that those people are existing, and then the machine will react based on the way they coded. So, I mean, it, it remains a human problem, always. Thank you, Sylvie. Bias, you said it exactly right. That's true. Thank the, the you. Bias in algorithms comes from the people who code the algorithms. And this is uh, going to probably be a problem forever unless you teach machines to weed out and overcome the human biases that were built in. And I don't know, Alan, you're nodding. Do you think that's a possibility that we could teach machines to to go in and say, wait a minute, this is not the whole population we're trying, you're trying to reach. I'm going to change the message. Do you think it's possible that machines would be smart enough to override the human bias? Let's just quickly go around the table. What do you think? Is that something in our future, Alan? Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> But it's probably true. <laughs> I, I think, I think I, I, what I mean by that is because then the next thread is what other decisions is it making? Um, okay. So that's, that's what I mean. I think that certainly the part of, of overcoming biases, I think, is critical. But it comes okay. back to, you know, garbage in, garbage out. If you have yep. great data, uh, it's analyzing data and making decisions. So if right. we're, you know, if we're putting in garbage that doesn't include the, that, that Sylvie's talking about, then you're going to have bad outcomes. And so I think that it is a human issue to Sylvie's point. I think that's always the case. What do we want to have at the end? Like, what yes. is our outcome? What are we looking yes. for? Yes, yes. And, and, you know, we all have implicit biases. Every human does, whether we want to believe it or not. Yep. So we've got to let the machine kind of help us through that by maybe prompting. Don't forget. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, there's, there's two sides to that coin, I think, as well. Thank you. Raj, what do you think? Do we want yeah, machines I, I to think, correct? Uh, so, so I think it's a huge challenge or a huge concern mm. to have. And, and when I think about bias and privacy, uh, one of the examples that, you know, just, just the average business professional should be thinking about is why when I search for something in my house in the Philadelphia suburbs, why do I search mm -hmm. for something on Google? And then, uh, you know, Alan's in the, in the Toronto area and he searches for something. Why are our search results different? Well, they're different mm. fundamentally because Google is a business. So we can pick on any of these big tech companies, but let's just, let's just choose Google for a moment, right? So if the objective is for me to find an answer to my question, why does it depend on my results being different from his? He's going to be served different ads. He's going to be given different organic results based on his location, his search behavior, his ethnicity, his age, all of these different things that are going to be different from me. So I don't know if it's good or bad because if we remember that Google is a business, and they exist as a business. They're not a nonprofit and they're not a government entity. So their mm -hmm. goal is to optimize that experience for that individual mm -hmm. and to go sell advertising. And so if you strip out all of the, if you pretend that the bias doesn't exist as Sylvia and Alan already said, and you strip out any privacy concerns, that could unfettered run rampant. 
And so that's why that human element, a measure of ethics, need to still stay as the foundation because I'm not answering the question whether or not Google should or shouldn't. They mm-hmm. do because they're a business, right? Yes. And so that's what I think people need to, need to sort of come to, come, to, come to grips with. If over time Google does it too much, they will lose their dominant market share. That's a fact. Markets are markets and they will evolve. Um, so that's just a couple thoughts about the, just the, the importance of uh, privacy and bias. Thank you. And you brought in the E word, ethics. That's a whole other topic for a whole other. <laughs> Sylvia, you started this. It was Alan's topic and you started the bias thing. Sylvia, anything you want to say back to them before I move on? Yeah, I would rather say I would prefer, uh, again, uh, a human solution with people. So uh, uh, diversity uh, uh, into into the team. So if you have people that are coming from uh, different areas, different countries, uh, different ethnicity, different age, uh, different gender, uh, mm-hmm. then as a team, uh, they can sort it out. And uh, I prefer that solution than a machine controlling uh, the coding. Sort it out or duke it out sometimes, real real honesty. I don't like what you said. I don't understand. I didn't come from there. What are you talking about? And that's the way we get understanding. There is a new TV series called Next about an AI that does run rampant. John Slattery stars. I started the first couple episodes. Fascinating, scary as all get out. If you can find it, take a peek. It'll it'll be very enlightening and scary, as I said. Let's move on. Raj has sent me a bunch of statements. I'm looking at statement number three. It's very long, and I appreciate that, Raj. I'm going to read just a little bit, and then you'll expand it. So Raj says, many smaller companies are creating their own AI platforms with varying degrees of success. He says, I've seen this in many parts of marketing, such as forecasting, analysis, advanced lead scoring, content effectiveness, attribution, and others, and it's early days. My biggest warning to marketers and business owners, you need to really understand what you're being sold. Ah, warning. Raj, take it over. Give me about two minutes of thought leadership. What does this all mean? Yeah, so so uh, sort of buyer beware. When you have an explosion of new technology that are being applied, what I what I find at the root is that there's a humongous difference between what the creators know and the terminology and the jargon that they use, and what the buyer knows and their term and their understanding of that terminology. So just earlier in the conversation, we were talking about the difference between AI and machine learning. Multiply that by a thousand. There's all this terminology. I would even call it fancy hand waving about what AI can do and what it can't do. And I and I really encourage all business owners or marketing uh, department leaders to really take the time to understand what is happening, why it's happening, and what that AI product or service does, right? So, there, you know, there's all these different things it could do. There's so many companies springing up. And it's not my assertion that they're negative or they're trying to be unethical or anything like that. It's just there, there's a lot of it. So in your buying process, take the time to understand what you're being sold. Make sure it's in plain English and you understand what's happening with your data. That's simple. And then for the service providers, Make sure you simplify your message and understand what the decision maker is going through because quite often there are different industries, there are different backgrounds, there might be generational differences. Uh, As Sylvie said, there might be other types of differences based on diversity and things like that. Like really make sure that you're communicating effectively so you know what's happening and where because it's not going to happen less. It's only going to happen more. And so as we go through these and figure out the winners and the losers, I think the winners are going to be the ones that can communicate really well. Thank you, Raj. Good provocative topic. Sylvie, whether you know it or not, you're virtually sitting next to Mr. Kapoor. <laughs> so, Sylvie, you're up. Agree or disagree? Go ahead. 
Oh, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I think that, and again, I'm a, now I'm in, in a communication team, right? I'm leading communication for my team, the digital communication. And I, and I think we, we need to have empathy. We need to think about the, 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 the consumer of our communication. Mm. So uh, no acronyms, uh, mind the language, uh, you know, all those. And, and again, I'm sorry, uh, I have nothing against marketing, but marketers love to use their own language and nobody <laughs> understand what they're telling people. You know, <laughs> once that I was in a conference and people went to me and said, oh, you are the first person I understand because you using my language and it's and I, I finally I understand what you're telling me so so yeah we need to, we need to pay attention to that the the, the way uh, we finally communicate to people and and be sure they understand and and get their their own language it's a little bit the the thing about the storytelling thing is just uh, try to to make people understand by taking an example images and and things that are simple and it's so difficult to be simple it's so easy to be complex <clears throat> I mean, uh, you know the, the there's an author saying I'm sorry I, I wrote a long letter because I didn't have time to write a short one <laughs> so uh, so th that's that's uh, very important so I totally agree with you Thank you. I think that's either a, a Abraham Lincoln or a Churchill quote about if I have, I, I, I will look it up. Uh, if I had time, I would I would write you a short letter. But since I don't, I'll write you a 15 page diatribe, whatever it is. Thank you very much. Alan, you're going to round this one up. What do you think? Well, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And I think the challenge is where marketing and tech come together, right? As marketers, we're messengers, right? At the end of the day, we're messengers and, and understanding our audience to do that. But tech is not really understanding that. Tech and, and messaging never really went together well. And I think the challenge is for tech, you know, when, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So at the end of the day, we've really got to understand that. And, and I, I equate this back to, because of my age, the year 2000, when technology was the thing. And there were, was this influx of, um, look at my widget, it's better than somebody else's. And what will happen invariably is there are going to be 10,000 companies, and then there'll be 2,000, and then there'll be 10 big ones, and then everybody will get acquired, and off we go. And then, so to Raja's point, it's really important at the early stages that as a consumer or as a business, you're understanding exactly what you're buying. If it happens to be a, a brand like Salesforce, as an example, if I were to use them, you know that they've got a brand, they're going to do things that are going to well. If it's MailChimp, you know it's going to help you with your database better. So there's some things that are easy to understand because they're making you better. But you don't have to go from zero to 100. You can go from zero to 10 and then 10 to 20. If you get incrementally better, that's going to have a big impact on your bottom line. But don't try for, for nirvana. Nirvana doesn't exist. And I think that's kind of Raj's point. Just, just make those changes and make sure they're certain and they don't make you change your process because that's when you get messed up. Thank you. Very interesting topic, Raj. Before I ask you to sum up, I remember uh, I remember many years ago 
there was a, I don't know whether it was a joke or an exercise where there were three columns of complex words. Alan, I think you might remember this. And they said, if you want to create a sentence for marketing, a brochure or, or white paper, or whatever, and you want something that sounds really, really interesting and smart that nobody will understand, Sylvia, you'll appreciate this. Pick a word from column A, a word from column B, a word from column C, string them together, and people say, oh, that sounded so intelligent. And they won't have a blank and clue what you're talking about. And I remember working for a, a big company before I worked for SAP. And uh, I, I met a woman in the marketing team. And I think I was marketing the uh, IntelliSync suite. Some of you will know what company bought that. And uh, a woman came in. She said, oh, we have to talk about our assets. And I said, what are you talking about? Oh, our, our people are our assets. I said, can't you just talk about people? What <laughs> assets? I, I had to look it up. I, I, I thought an asset was something on a balance sheet or in my tax form. Oh, what are your assets that are taxable? And I said, can't you even talk like a human? Oh, no, she was came from marketing school and she had all these words she wanted. Anyway, I hope I'm not embarrassing anybody, but it was just interesting to me. So Raj, did you ever go through the exercise of pick one word from each column and string it together? The opposite. That drives me <laughs> me so nuts about our industry and, and Alan, we do a terrible job of it, right? So so we are we are we call ourselves jargon busters, right? And everything that we talk about is should be in plain English, you know, kind of like a seventh grade sort of language that we should just be speaking in plain English. Again, because something that's jargon to your industry might be commonplace to another or or vice versa or whatever. And, and I just just to underscore Alan's last point, it's it's totally right. Don't go from mm. zero to nirvana on the first day. Test, learn build a hypothesis, run a pilot, do all those sorts of things at small levels. And uh, yeah, so I think, I, think that's a, I think that's a good wrap. Thank you very much. Good conversation. Thank you, Raj. Sylvie, I picked statement number three from you. We've been talking about words and we're going to talk about images. Somebody did talk about, I think you talked about, about what you put in images speak. And I will tell you all that if I go and look at a certain, certain uh, so we say a clothing store online, I'm thinking of a certain type of dress or a jacket or a pair of boots. Every time I go on the web, the ad for that store pops up. No matter where I am, it pops up in the corner of my screen. I don't know why. It, they, they have tagged me. They are following me. They're convinced that I have to buy those boots or that jacket. And I don't want to anymore. So I just ignore it. So here we go. Sylvie says, AI can help marketing teams make the most of their visuals. Let's talk about this. Branding updates, acquisitions, mascot updates, very much in the news here in the US. Product launches lead to small but continuous design changes. As AI begins to understand design files like in design and Photoshop, aha, AI models will be able to learn to make these kinds of updates instantaneously. This sounds exciting. Sylvie, please expand this for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, there we're speaking about visuals, but it, it could be about any kind of document. Uh, it is so painful to maintain the good versions and the good visuals and there are updates and especially in big companies, uh, there's a lot of content to maintain and it's just a nightmare for marketing people and very low level tasks just to follow uh, all, the, all those uh, updates. So now uh, that we have that technology that could be able to understand uh, and and check and uh, and make some warnings about uh, late version on uh, or something that is not matching uh, the advertisement that has been made and can change uh, 
without human inter intervention or maybe agreement from human uh, if it's an important visual, but uh, that that could help a lot uh, marketing teams uh, to have the proper content um, publicly uh, or internally uh, provided. That's exciting. That, that is very exciting. Let's go around that the table and me. see whatever. We, well, it is to a lot of people, the idea of AI being able to work with InDesign and Photoshop. And that that's sometimes labor intensive, isn't it, Sylvie? Putting those visuals together and updating and going searching for the right images and the right images for the right target audience, right? We're talking about, about uh, bias. We're talking about what looks good or will resonate or will appeal or excite or interest, intrigue the audience you want to go after and not be the opposite of diversity and inclusion. What will be exclusionary? What will be biased against? The sensitivities are huge today. It's almost prickly how sensitive people are. Alan McLaren, I'm, I'm not going to continue with my diatribe here. Alan, agree or disagree with what Sylvie said? Go ahead. Well, 100% agree, and I think it also expands to video as well. When I mean, you start to think about the opportunities around video and how oh, AI yeah. is going to make video not only the, the back end in terms of uh, editing, but the front end. Um, so there's lots of opportunity there. Um, one of the companies that I'm looking at right now is called Effectiva. Um, they're actually looking at emotional intelligence and how when you're viewing a video, they can actually look at your facial expressions and see how you're reacting to particular content, whether that's an image or a video or whatever. But we spend so much time trying to figure out, do people like what we're doing? <laughs> Pretty awesome that you can actually now look using AI to say my facial expressions, my eyebrows are going up, I'm smiling, my cheeks are moving, I'm sad. And it actually puts that into an algorithm so you can make better decisions. So it builds on what Sylvie's talking about, but it just, again, it's machines doing the work that we can't do in an effective way, uh, uh, at least manually. So it's, I think it's awesome. Thank you. Raj, talk to us. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by, uh, you know, there's two elements of what, what Sylvie said that I find particularly interesting. So I love the idea of error proofing and using AI to fix mistakes and do very low level tasks. That's awesome. Uh, in the design world, you, you know, you will, people will look at you cross-eyed to say that your branding and your logos and all these types of things can be done by a machine better than a human. And so the proof has to be in the pudding. And what that will force the design community to do is to up their game up their skills so they can stay a step ahead of it, right? We talk a lot about the whole concept of, you know, losing jobs or creative destruction or whatever those elements mm -hmm. are. But in the, in the design world, it's a very important topic to go through because they're, you know, the, the core human element of being able to create breakthrough design is really important, right? We may not acknowledge it, we may not believe it, but we all grew up with brands and logos and visuals that really impact how we see the world and how we interact with companies. And so I, I'm so glad Sylvie brought up that, that, that the second point about branding and, and all of these things. And I think the future will be very fascinating to see how good do these actually get and what are the impacts to industries such as design and, and visual aesthetics like that. Thank you very much. Sylvie, this was your topic. Just a brief wrap-up. Anything you want to say back to the two gentlemen on the panel? Would you? I, I agree with what they say. Um, I, I love the, the emotions analysis. I mean, it, it, it helps to uh, bring things that are um, individual, so two people facing each other, to a volume approach. So the machine is capable to analyze much more people at the same time and give results. And there, us as human, we have our brain, our um, 
sensibility, uh, our emotions to analyze what the machine is giving us. So I think we can uh, have different jobs that are going to be upper uh, and the machine will just be there to provide us some good analysis to take the final decision. Sylvia, do you want that to be your crystal ball prediction? It sounded very future focused to me. <laughs> uh, that was cool. Well, Sylvie jump started. All right, we're already in the crystal ball predictions round. That leaves about a minute for each. Thank you, Sylvie. I loved it. Let's go to Alan McLaren. Alan, look ahead 2021. We're right on the precipice up to no farther out than 2025, please. What will change about our topic, rise of the machines, AI and marketing? What do you see, Alan? Well, um, I, I think I see there, there's some positives that I see, but with a caveat. The positives, I think, that con- the consumer experience will improve. And I think that machines will be able to predict what you want before you even know you want it. So I think that's where it's coming. And it's not just, you know, recommendation engines and predictive analysis. I think it'll get deeper than that. They'll know by your search behavior and your Alexa behavior and whatever that happens to be, uh, what you're thinking about and how you're thinking, which is kind of scary. The, uh, but on, on a positive side, it eliminates the blunt force of retargeting and things like that. And, you know, I recently uh, was looking for windows online and now I've got 5 million ads coming at me every day. And that's kind of blunt mm-hmm. force and feels uh, really bad. The downside of that, and what wise person once told me, um, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And so the Ooh. data part uh, is the part that is, you know, I'm not scared of it, but I am certainly aware of it and be mindful of it because there's a big leap from data to theft. Uh, so it's it, you've got to be careful, right? So as long as we're protecting our data, that's fine. But um, I do see improved customer experience as the ultimate piece that AI will deliver as a marketer. That's good news for me. Thank you very much. Raj Kapoor, you get the last prediction before we close. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, planning three to five years out, this is only headed in one direction. It's going to be more. It's going to be hyper-personalization like the other panelists talk about. So it's going to not just talk about me and my gender and my demographic and my location. It's going to be hyper-personalized. And I think that trend is not, certainly not going away. It's only headed in one direction. However, I think maybe similar to what Alan said is the sprouting off trends that you're going to see of a backlash against that level of hyper-personalization is also going to happen. So I picked on Google a a few minutes ago, but like Facebook has it too, where people say, I don't want that level of everything to be about me and predicting what I want beforehand. I want to be anonymous when I go search on the web. I want to be anonymous with my social network and I don't want everybody to treat me like a product, right? And so I think you're going to see some levels of bifurcation. I think in some geography, because I know you have a global audience, I think in some geographies, governments are going to get involved and require that some of that data either not get stored there, not be used in that fashion, um, because people really do care about privacy. And I, one striking thing is I think there's an amazing lack of awareness in the general public about how pervasive and powerful these AI engines are. We, the, the social dilemma is out on Netflix, right? It's, uh, it's really, yeah. really popular. And uh, I think, you know, more of, more of that type of, uh, um, more of that type of thing is going to uh, drive awareness in that. So that's thank my you. crystal ball prediction. Thank you very much. I can't thank the three of you enough for our wrap-up show of 2020. This has been just, you're all dynamic. You're in the moment. You're engaged. You're engaging. So many good ideas. And I'm thinking of the E word. We started out with ethics and we went to emotions and we went to empathy. I think empathy, then emotions. Excellence, of course, is what we all want to achieve, uh, those of you who are in the marketing field. So thank you all to the three of you. A couple of shout outs. Kirsten Boylow, who has just 
just renewed the series for 2021. Let's give a round of applause to Kirsten for her, her vision, her foresight, keeping the show going. I think we're entering season seven next year. And I certainly hope the three of you come back as a group or individually for, for other panels. Thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire who gets us on the air and keeps us there. Yay for Aaron. Cop your hands for Aaron. <laughs> and here's my closing call to action. Sylvie knows us so well. She could probably do this in French for me, but I'll still do it in English. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Alan McLaren at Infinity Com with two M's, just like Raj Kapoor at and marketing with the ampersand, just like Sylvie Lashkar at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for this series. We'll see you back in 2021. As I say on all my shows, be safe, be smart, be savvy, and over the holidays, stay sane. 2021 is just a couple of heartbeats away. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.